0: To learn who rules over you. Simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH. I'm Andy, your host, and today I'm delighted to welcome back my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond, for his Thursday visit. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me?
1: Yes, I am, Andrew. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, it's great to have you back. And um, uh, Is there any news you want to share with us, uh, what you were doing last week before uh, we get into today, today's show?
1: Yes, well, um, this is uh, our first program together of this year, 2021, and uh, for the last week I've been running a Biblical Worldview Summit, a conference uh, in South Africa, which was against all odds because although we tend to always do that first week of the year, uh, our dear government over here decided to declare a lockdown level three with major curfew and military being mobilized and all that sort of thing just as we were about to launch our camp. And so, of course, we got people panicking and cancelling and people who were going to fly in from other countries had to cancel because the borders were closed. So, uh, you know, that's they had no choice on that one. Uh, But I didn't want to take um, uh, no for an answer and to give up after all the hard work we've done in preparing and uh, we've got guest speakers being flown in from... Bloemfontein, a thousand kilometers away, who's a creation science uh, engineer expert. And uh, I thought, no, I'm, 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 I scoured through the regulations and I saw all, all religious gatherings and all gatherings, including weddings, <laughs> cancelled um, by government decree. I saw that there was an exception for conferences. So, well, you know, our. Worldview Summit can easily be categorized as a conference. We've got guest speakers. It's a very intense program. And while we tend to call it a summit, it, it falls in the category of educational conference. So we um, consulted with some of our friends in police and municipality who assured us that, no, this, this is uh, perfectly acceptable, our conference. And the campsite, which is also a conference center, was uh, very happy to still have us. So we went ahead. And... Uh, we had to get printed out the actual legislation regulations online that's been gazetted, showing the exemption for for uh, educational conferences, and had that highlighted, and had everyone have a copy that we could travel in, and if we stopped by police or army roadblock, uh, that we could explain ourselves. And so we went ahead, and it, it it went on very well, even though we had a lot of cancellations. We still had 75 people turn out, which is not bad for this kind of Condition and situation. We've had more than double that on previous occasions, but um, nevertheless, under the circumstances and with the amount of intimidation and pandemic paranoia and COVID lockdown lunacy, uh, I th- I thought it, it was a pretty good turnout. A, and the kind of people who came, you can imagine, were very dedicated, normally home education people, people who are willing to think outside the box, the kind of people who, who've got some backbone because. To go ahead with any kind of conference in a situation like this, you can sure involves people having uh, a good understanding of the deception going on uh, so that they can see through all the lies and, and the panic-mongering. But uh, in addition to that, to have some backbone, to be willing to uh, show some resistance. And we also went out almost every day with teams doing outreach and literature distribution in neighboring uh, a town there, which was Hermanus, uh, which is a, a, a coastal town uh, up the coast, and um, we found people absolutely delighted to see people on the streets reaching out and uh, um, speaking to them about what really mattered and what's going on. And there were so many people thanking us for going ahead with the conference and not being intimidated, and they really feared that that we would do like everyone else and close down. People have said our church has not met since they enforced the lockdown March last year. I mean, that's, that's approaching now 10 months. So it's just insane to see how much of the church has compromised and been cowardly and has closed down. But as we're a mission to the persecuted church, uh, we've learned some backbone and resistance from those who've suffered for the years of the persecuted church. So uh, we started our year on the ground running. And uh, I must say, we're pretty fired up, even though we're pretty irritated about the insanity of our government. You know, here we were, we're in the middle of summer, like you're in the middle of winter, of course, we Southern Hemisphere. So we're in a scorching hot summer. And here we've got a campsite conference center right on the beach. And by government decree, nobody's allowed to go to the beach. And uh, Okay, you can go to casinos, you can go to busy shopping centers, you can pack uh, aircraft 100%, you can pack taxis 100%. That's not a problem. But going to the beach, salt air and fresh air and sunshine and so on is apparently bad. I don't know how. And so you can imagine our people are pretty irritated with this arbitrary, completely irrelevant to health and uh, so on uh, regulation that prevented our people from, well, legally at least going on the beach. Well, you'd think, well, surely you still went. Sure, we did. Um, But immediately, there's police uh, running across to intercept you and to stop you from going to the beach. There's uh, uh, there's a police helicopter uh, circling over the beach at one time. And there's there's literally military being mobilized to uh, come and stop people from walking their dog on a beach and so on. And uh, we saw one very funny scene of a Police vehicle completely stuck in the sand. I don't know why they were driving on the sand. What they think is going to happen? With the with the ocean waves coming in, and um, when we saw the ocean waves were really hitting the uh, police van, they were not able to dig it out of the sand where they got it themselves stuck. So um, I'm sure they probably lost that because uh, it, high tide was coming, and uh, they were they were stuck. So. Um, I didn't see what happened to the vehicle, but I'm sure it, it, would have gotten, um, uh, it wouldn't have gotten out. It, it might have got washed away. So that's some of what we've been doing the last week and a half.
0: Thank you, Peter. Yeah, and I congratulate you and all the people who made the effort to attend in these difficult times when they're trying to restrict everybody's movement. Uh, that's wonderful that we were able to get that together. And um, today, Peter's got uh, uh, another great show lined up entitled The Real Story of how countries are subverted and hijacked. So where would you like to start us off with this topic, Peter?
1: Well, Andrew, I'm sure, like all of our listeners and friends worldwide, we're deeply concerned of what's going on in America and trying to make sense of the um, seemingly chaotic events. But I must say, as somebody who has lived through three revolutions and eight wars and worked in... 38 countries, most of those in restricted access areas and in uh, communist uh, controlled countries, mostly, uh, including behind the Iron Curtain, Eastern Europe uh, during the Cold War. This looks to me very clear, very, uh, um, very, uh, what do we call it, deja vu. It's like I've seen this before, this scenario. Now, many people may think that America is above revolution and subversion, but it's not. What we've just seen. In America, and what we are seeing unfolding right now is nothing less than the subversion and hijacking of a country. Now, I experienced this in Rhodesia, what today is Zimbabwe. I've experienced this in South Africa. I've seen it in Southwest Africa, what today is Namibia, how a country can get subverted and hijacked. Uh, and it's it's a combination of psychological warfare, disinformation campaigns, hysteria, intimidation, rigged elections. I mean, this is going according to a playbook that's been operating for many years. And, and of course, the culmination of of what's happened uh, about a week ago uh, when there was the so-called storming of the capital, which was nothing of the sort. It was a real uh, minor incident. It's, It's like a molehill that's been made into a mountain. But the psychological warfare impact of how the zoom lens of selective reporting has distorted out of all recognition what really happened on the uh, steps of the Capitol uh, uh, during that protest on the 6th of, of January, uh, I think uh, will go down in the history books. It's it's quite uh, an interesting example of how false flag operations and how psychological warfare operations, along with agent provocateurs, can hijack and derail a very effective protest movement. So uh, just considering the, the backdrop, here we've got an obviously – flawed and obviously fraudulent election Uh, the american elections of the 3rd of november 2020 had the dead voting by whole graveyards you had people 160 and 200 odd years voting Uh, you had vast amounts of uh, of uh, fraudulent votes uh, including people who were not registered voters including double voting there were cases in some precincts where 150% of the registered voters voted, where 200% of the registered voters voted. There were cases where up to 300% of the electorate in that district voted, which of course is statistically impossible. I've seen this happen before, uh, in Rhodesia and in the South African elections, uh, uh, the 1994 elections, South Africa had brought Mandela to power. In the 1980 elections, that brought Mugabe to power. In Zimbabwe, they were uh, way more than the registered voters voting in in the election. In fact, they boasted in South Africa that they had achieved 104% voter turnout, which of course is impossible. Especially when you bear in mind that there were in the South African election at least at least 600,000 white South Africans boycott the election, said they wouldn't vote uh, on different principles. I, I don't agree with the policies of boycott. I don't think that very much helps in that situation because just going ahead anyway and registering a protest vote and uh, putting uh, candidates in the hands of of the most effective anti-communist party in parliament would have been a good goal. But nevertheless, the fact is we knew there were hundreds of thousands boycotting the election, So how do you get 104% voter turnout? Well, by fraud, by double voting, and so on. And in America, this seems to have turned to industrial levels. Uh, They have seen the Dominion voter software, which has uh, ownership and control by foreign entities like Venezuela and involvement from Italy and all sorts of very strange, irregular things, where they plainly flipped hundreds of thousands of votes that were designated for Trump, and moved it over to Biden, where you saw... Uh, unbelievable spikes in the uh, tendency of the votes where you could see the graph where uh, the uh, red line for Trump is is making a pretty exponential move up and the Biden blue line is is below and sort of flattening off and starting to dip and suddenly the Biden votes go at 90 degree angles, suddenly straight up until they're above that of the Donald Trump red uh, curve, statistically impossible things, where suddenly you've got hundreds of thousands of votes that suddenly arrive extra, over and above, exceeding uh, how many people actually voted uh, at, at two and four in the morning, and suddenly uh, the whole uh, scenario changes, and of course it's been testified that that's exactly what the Dominion software program of, of voter fraud rigging was, was designed for, as it had done already in Venezuela and other places, so So there's no doubt there was huge amounts of fraud. And uh, uh, Mayor Giuliani, uh, who was leading the legal team challenging this, uh, he said he had never seen such industrial levels of fraud before and that were abidavits from people who were involved in it who had witnessed fraud and of the irregularities, from statistical irregularities to uh, procedural irregularities to blatant um, breach of electoral law and all sorts of things, Uh, no certification where the observers from the republican party were not even allowed to be present or whether they were chased out or were prevented to be there and votes counted without observers from both sides is of course illegal and uh, votes ta- uh, tallied which did not have matching signatures in the envelopes is uh, illegal and votes where they changed the dates uh, <laughs> uh, backdate them is illegal and there's so many uh, and we're not just talking about hundreds of thousands but Uh, According to Mayor Giuliani's uh, reports and so on, we're talking about, as well as Sidney Powell, the special advocate, talking about something like 11 million over and above illegal votes that were given to Biden, which uh, were not admissible. So there's no doubt there's extremely strong legal, procedural, constitutional reasons to challenge the results of the election in these so-called swing states, such as Pennsylvania and Georgia, and there's no doubt whatsoever that uh, uh, Donald Trump won an overwhelming landslide. In fact, uh, he got more votes than any other sitting president in the history of America, 75 million, and nobody can question that. Uh, But that the uh, election results that were given to Biden that just pipped him over the the post involved probably 11 million fraudulent votes, um, uh, votes that could not stand any scrutiny any kind of audit, any kind of investigation. So quite plainly, it's, it looked like <laughs> there's no problem here. Trump's won the election, and there's some colossal fraud that's that's going to get some people going to jail. But the mass media in America, we're talking about the lamestream media, the Clinton News Network, the Slime Magazine, Newspeak, Useless News and World Report, uh, everything from ABC, NBC, the whole alphabet soup, they all were proclaiming Biden as um, the present elector. Uh, which actually isn't such an office. And they were not waiting for the official results. A lot of these things were still to be determined in the courts. And uh, there's a whole lot that's still to be determined by the Senate and by the uh, uh, Board of uh, Electoral College vote. And yet the media acted like there wasn't a question whatsoever about the results. And they just kept pushing the results, the results, the results. And of course, Donald Trump understandably pointed out the the fraud, uh, stop the steal, and so on. And extraordinarily, you saw tech, big tech media, including Google and Twitter and Facebook, just censoring unprecedented waves where every single post by President Trump and his Facebook page is something like 32 million. Last I looked, it was approaching 33 million uh, followers on his Facebook page, which is colossal. And uh, everything he posted would get hundreds of thousands of reactions, uh, sometimes uh, into the the over the million mark. So plainly, there was this huge support for President Trump and for saying that this election was rigged, it was fraudulent, and there was a lot of illegal activity. And yet, every single post they made, whether it was Mayor Giuliani, whether it was uh, the uh, Sidney Powell advocate, uh, they just kept putting on their... um, America's proceedings to uh, ensure the integrity of elections or there's never been any a question about the integrity of American elections or there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And, and so you, you had these sort of so-called fact checkers uh, and who are they, these anonymous fact checkers, who are uh, uh, trying to overwrite things that advocates, sworn eyewitness testimonies, uh, legal opinions, uh, pronouncements by judges, uh, all just being ignored. Doesn't matter what President Trump had said. Didn't matter what uh, anyone was saying. You had these censors putting in uh, Newspeak um, and trying to vaporize any other opinion. So very much George Orwell 1984 type of uh, thought police running around there, interfering. And incredibly, this was picked up worldwide, and you just saw all over the world. Despite the very clear legal challenges and despite the fact that there was huge uh, reason to say that Donald Trump had won an overwhelming landslide victory, that uh, the Biden campaign had been guilty of criminal levels of fraud and that uh, the election results that were being put forward were in many cases flawed and even fraudulent and frankly criminal. It was an extraordinary thing to see the international mass media uniting internationally, not just in America, in Britain, on the continent of Europe, in South Africa, in Australia, all over. He had this uh, chorus of Biden's won, Biden's won, he's the president-elect and so on, and, and Trump has lost. And actually, it was the reverse was true. But the level of censure rose to levels that I don't think we've ever seen before in our lifetime. and. Uh, um, this campaign, which had been building up over the last four years and more against uh, Donald Trump, uh, the so-called uh, right and all of that, uh, just went into the highest overdrive. And it seemed that the psychological warfare from a body that is not legally entitled to announce the results of the elections i refer to the mass media. Journalists don't have the right to announce the results of the election, especially not when it's actually in legal cases being challenged. Uh, nevertheless... They were acting like they were the ones who could pronounce who the winner was. They they can make predictions, they can uh, make, uh, 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 and in fact they have frequently, uh, which have proven to be wrong, such as in 2016 uh, the New York uh, Times was saying, and New York Post I should say, was saying in uh, November on the day of the election that uh, Hillary Clinton was 98% chance to win and And Donald Trump has something like 1.6% chance of a win. And so that was on the day of the election. And their polls proved to be false. Last time, this time, every time. Polls often seem to be nothing more than psychological warfare pressures to give people a false impression to help promote their candidates' chances rather than any kind of real scientific data because they're so off the charts wrong every time we've got to now recognize that these poll results are more propaganda than than anything vaguely scientific. So the amazing thing, though, is that there still were millions of people rallying and saying, stop the steal, rallying peacefully all over the country. And let's face it, Donald Trump had managed to mobilize the biggest rallies ever seen in the history of America. No presidential candidate's ever gathered so many people, filling stadiums filling airfields, filling huge areas, whereas the Biden campaign had trouble if they could um, get 20 people at some event. They were really, pitifully, shamefully, uh, just not out there campaigning. And of course, now we know why they didn't have to feel the need to campaign, because they had a whole steel organized on multiple levels. Not only Dominion software, but a whole lot of fake votes, vote harvesting, ballot turning, and and all sorts of other tricks. So, Interestingly enough, though, the people kept the faith. They were strong. They were resisting. There was massive turnouts of Stop the Steal marches in Washington, D.C. And even on the 6th of December, Donald Trump comes before the people. I will never stop fighting. This is a fraudulent election. Stop the steal. Stop this hijacking. And there's no doubt. The evidence was huge. Uh, The Chinese Communist Party was obviously supporting a Biden-Camilla Harris presidency. They were obviously doing lots and lots of interference, There's evidence was coming forward, uh, Italy had uncovered a huge involvement in rigging the election results uh, through uh, the Dominion software, and the evidence was pouring in, affidavits are pouring in, it looked like the momentum was hugely on the side of the Trump presidential re-election campaign, and you could see a whole lot of people on the left are going to go to jail. I mean, this is this is a huge attempt at a coup d'etat, at a hijacking of the country, But it's going to be stopped. And then on cue, and I must say, Andrew, this did not surprise me one bit. I anticipated it, uh, that there would be some kind of agent provocateur uh, falling into a trap of the enemy because the momentum was overwhelmingly against the Biden-Democrat campaign on the ground. Yes, they had the momentum in the media. They had the Psywar disinformation campaign. Uh, they had whipped up hysteria, they'd weaponized words. They were using everything from Stockholm Syndrome, guilt manipulation, a huge amount of gaslighting. They were using every trick in the book, uh, from the rigged elections on the ground all the way through to using their mass media and the big tech to an extent never before seen in the world to put such pressure to bear uh, for people to concede, you've got no chances, no way. And, in fact, uh, they had everything going against them at this stage aside from the media, because the people on the ground are mobilizing by the hundreds of thousands, in some cases by the millions. And so, interestingly enough, at the very moment that Vice President Pence is about to receive as chairman in the Senate, the objections of those senators who said they were going to challenge these fraudulent election results in the Senate, at the moment that that the first senator was standing up to to challenge the fraudulent election results on queue in comes the so-called storming of the Capitol, which was doubtless meant to reflect something like the storming of the Bastille on 14 July 1789, and you know the beginning of the French Revolution or something. But of course, it wasn't any kind of serious storming, any whatsoever. There's a small group of people, and it looks—I've seen a video footage of Capitol police removing the barricades to let this small section of the crowd accessed the Capitol, which uh, was not part of the plan. And you had this massive demonstration on the Mall of America, which is between the Washington Monument uh, and uh, the Lincoln Memorial, and President Trump had had addressed them. And now some of them are marching to the Capitol building. And it looks like a a group of them were uh, fooled into going through the barricades, into the Capitol building itself. And there have been identifications and video footage I've seen of plainly Antifa people interfering and in doing some of the, the vandalism, such as smashing a window. And you could see, because uh, we actually had a, a personal friend who was in there with, with the march and who sent us video clips, and you could hear the people shouting, no, no, Antifa, no, stop, stop Antifa, stop Antifa, because there was someone trying to smash one of the windows in the uh, Capitol building. And that, of course, is not the way law and order people tend to behave. That's the way the Democrat supporters, the BLM Antifa, and Tifa and Kahn, they behave like that. They set fire, they attack people, they, they cause violence. And, and you just think how the whole mass media, who's gone hysterical over what the so-called Trump supporters did in storming the Capitol, to use their terms. They're the same people who are encouraging, supporting and totally understanding of BLMs, looting, burning, destroying billions of Dollars worth of property and looting uh, uh, stores all over America, and they were completely in support of that, and and saying, oh, you know, this is this is healthy and this is right, and uh, all in name of of George Floyd, who died of a drug overdose, it would seem now, according to the medical evidence. But don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. So interesting that at the moment, how convenient that you suddenly have this own goal uh, by apparently Trump supporters, which was only a small percentage of the people who turned out in the Trump um, uh, rally to protest, stop the steal. And now why would they do something so foolish, so stupid as to break the law and interfere and interrupt the legal challenge to the fraudulent election? So this is plainly a false flag. And I have reports that have come to me from retired military generals in America and others saying, this was a false flag, this is a CIA op, this is black op, this is uh, organized. There's no doubt there was some people from the US military involved in this operation, whether they were serving or whether they were were ex and our mercenaries is not clear yet, but there were recognized people involved in the crowd. And we're not saying everyone in the crowd were were Antifa, BLM or or uh, agent provocateurs, you only need a few in the crowd. But plainly, a certain section of the uh, Trump Stop the Steal protest marches uh, were suckered into walking into a trap, into scoring an own goal, into playing into the hands of the enemy, into delivering a propaganda victory to the uh, hostile media, the, uh, the globalist uh, mainstream, lamestream media uh, by g- trespassing into the capital and by some acts of vandalism, which was very few, actually. There was no attempt at arson, there was no big, large-scale destruction or anything, which you wouldn't expect anyway, because the whole Trump supporter, Republican supporter backdrop is overwhelmingly law and order, respect the law enforcement officers and the police and respect property. So they don't have a track record of the kind of thing that BLM and Antifa have been doing. But it's not difficult to infiltrate a few agent provocateurs amongst a group of well-meaning and maybe naive uh, supporters. Uh, how easy is that? You don't have a security clearance required. Uh, they can dress in the same things. They could put on a MAGA hat, a Make America Great Again cap. They could put on some kind of Trump flag. They can. It's, uh, how easy is it to infiltrate a group like that? It's not like a military unit or something with ID cards. And so there's no doubt that there were uh, some people who who steered – parts of this group into the Capitol building to score an own goal. Now, there was absolutely nothing for the Trump people to gain. Why would you want to interrupt the senatorial challenge to the fraudulent election results? Uh, Why would you want the timing, absolutely perfect from the communist uh, perspective, from the uh, perspective of those who are wanting to hide the election steal, the fraud, and uh, all the illegal activities that's taken place? And the timing is just absolutely... It couldn't have been organized better from the leftist perspective. And I've seen this time and again throughout history. The, You know the Hegelian dialectic thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So uh, it's the two steps forward, one step back kind of uh, uh, Marxist dialectic. What they continually try to do is provoke, 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 and they're wanting to provoke a reaction. And when you give the reaction, they might have even organized for some agent provocateurs amongst their group to do something out of character, but which would be a propaganda coup for their side that they could then use to, to smear the entire campaign on the other side uh, with being, like they saying now, dangerous, Revolutionary terrorists who attempted a coup d'etat. And the, the way how they, they have now the very same people who didn't want any BLM and Tifa rioters, arsonists, and uh, attackers, violent criminals to be prosecuted, they are calling for identifying every last one and not just people who are part of this uh, uh, um, breaching of the capital uh, perimeter uh, but uh, and trespassing. But they are trying to anybody ever even voted for trump should be fired treated like some dangerous criminal not allowed to fly not allowed to be employed and and so you see the mentality of of the marxists they don't want to tolerate dissent now i know how this works i've seen how this works because i grew up in a paradise rhodesia absolute paradise in central africa and we were resisting communism effectively, our army was winning all the battles, never lost the battle against the Marxists, continually effective, even though the Marxists had more numbers, uh, even though they had more support because they're getting full support from the Soviet Union, from Red China, and here that they had a support that we didn't have because we were under global sanctions, internationally isolated, lied about, uh, hate campaigns mobilized against Rhodesia, but Rhodesia was self-sufficient, we were doing fine, we were managing uh, we might have been a small country, uh, just a few hundred thousand population, but we were standing firm against communism and we were resisting in the Bush war. and It was a, it was a brutal war. But Kissinger, Henry Kissinger, as uh, the U.S. Secretary of State, came to Rhodesia and made us an offer we couldn't refuse because he put pressure on South Africa to bully Rhodesia, that Rhodesia had to accept this one-man, one-vote uh, a p- proposal from Kissinger to get international recognition, to lift the sanctions, and so on and so forth. And the South African government, under B.J. Foster at that stage, uh, was treacherous. They were given a, a private assurance from Henry Kissinger, we will let you keep Southwest Africa, what today is Namibia, but you've got to give up Rhodesia. And uh, and Rhodesia uh, was in a very frontline of the fight against Soviet expansionism and communist revolution, and had a 15 year track record of successful counterinsurgency war against the terrorists. And we were winning spectacular victories against communists, uh, like the Chumoyo attack, where uh, 198 Rhodesian airborne soldiers, which was the complete airborne capability of the whole of Rhodesia, we didn't have one helicopter or aircraft in reserve. Everything was mobilized to put this total. Um, airborne capability, which is only 198, (laughs) think what a small army that was, Um, down on the terrorist headquarters at Chamoya, and they wiped out 5,000 terrorists. I mean, that's, you know, 198 against 5,000. That's the kind of odds. And our guys won again and again, doesn't matter where or what, it was just Rhodesia's security forces kept winning, outstanding. Uh, And as Ian Smith said, we were never beaten by enemies, we were betrayed by our friends. And Rhodesia accepted the one-man-one-vote proposal and accepted any terrorists who wanted to uh, give up uh, that they would be um, given amnesty and so on and so forth. And then there was a full one-man-one-vote elections and uh, an anti-communist black man won. And that wasn't good enough. So along comes uh, Jimmy Carter's crowd and he, uh, with Andrew Young as his secretary of state, and he starts to bully Rhodesia into having another election because he didn't get the right results. Uh, And, uh, because an anti-communist one, anti-communist black man, Bishop Abel Mazarewa. So, foolishly, Rhodesia fell for this scheme and went for another election. And on this one, it was as rigged as it could possibly be. It was so rigged, everyone admits it was rigged, including the British. who, who said, now, to ensure that this is recognized nationally, you've got to hand over to a British governor, which was a Winston Churchill son-in-law, Christopher Soames, He came in and he um, brought in British police and British soldiers Uh, for the first time. Rhodesia, had British police and soldiers there. We'd been self-governing, self-supporting, self-defending, self-financing from the very beginning. Uh, Rhodesia never cost the British taxpayer a penny until it came time to sell us out. And so in came Lord Soames in 1979, called it a British colony of Zimbabwe, Rhodesia. And had a new set of elections, but now everything was rigged against the Rhodesians. And we, unfortunately, were gullible enough to believe uh, all the promises and assurances from the Lancaster House Agreement and uh, Lord Carrington, who was a a British Foreign Secretary at the time. And what a fraudulent election. During this election, which had guaranteed it must be free and fair and no terrorism, no violence, no intimidation, and any party that engaged in terrorism or violence or broke any of the requirements of the Lancaster House Agreement, their votes in the area where these things took place would be excluded. Well, Christopher Soames admitted that he should have, in fact, disqualified ZANU-PF of Robert Mugabe because they were engaged in colossal fraud and murders of thousands of people, including uh, candidates of opposition parties truckloads of supporters being blown up, terrorism on horrific levels, tortures in, in uh, uh, villages, everything from cutting people's ears and noses off uh, for not listening to the commissar and so on. And even though Chris Soames had all the evidence before him and he knew that Zahnar had broken all the rules, he still decided to hand the country over to them. Now, just think about this, that imagine you're at an Olympic race, if you can imagine this, where one of the candidates shoots a whole lot of the other racers as they're running around the field, uh, uh, trips up and uh, hamstrings some others, cuts their uh, legs so that they're not able to run, runs half, uh, runs across the field uh, to halve the distance and manages to get to the finish line first and then declares himself the winner. Would that person get the gold medal and be put on a, a podium or would they be prosecuted and <laughs> disqualified and jailed? Well, obviously... You can't allow people to break all the rules and uh, and still expect to get the gold medal and stand on number one slot uh, for uh, any kind of international sports event, and neither should you when it comes to elections. But as the Zimbabwe electoral observers noted, the British Foreign Office and the American State Department taught Robert Mugabe, Zanu and other dictators a very important lesson in 1980. It doesn't matter how much you lied or cheated or intimidated or terrorized or murdered and how many opposition candidates you beat up, assassinated, or how many supporters you blew up in buses and trucks en route to the electoral polls, how many Christians you burned in churches and how many missionaries you bayoneted and babies you killed. As long as Mugabe could claim that he'd won the election, he would be accepted, he would be respected as a member of the United Nations and of the African Union, he'd continue to receive foreign aid send his team to the Olympics, Commonwealth Games, the whole deal, sit next to the Queen at the Commonwealth, the whole deal. So allowing electoral fraud, voter fraud in 1980 in Zimbabwe has continued to have catastrophic consequences with deadly results for millions of Zimbabweans ever since. And so in Zimbabwe today, over 90% of the population is unemployed. The inflation is skyrocketing. More than half of the population has fled the country. What other country's got more than half its population living outside its own borders? Everyone in Zimbabwe is suffering worse than ever before in history because of the lack of backbone, because of the treachery, because of the cowardice of the British Foreign Office and the US State Department, let's be fair, and the Commonwealth and a whole bunch of them. Um, And so 40 years later, since 1980, the people in Zimbabwe are still suffering under this Marxist dictatorship that was started under Mugabe, now it's under Enoch Malangagwa, the crocodile, as they call him, who's just as bad. And it's unbelievably wicked and short sighted for people to tolerate fraud in an election. You cannot reward wickedness. You cannot endorse a fraudulent election because if you do, you not only penalize the people who were honest and who kept to the rules, you not only disenfranchise the people who have. Uh, tried through free elections to change uh, the government and elect those people that they support uh, by peaceful, legal means. Uh, But you reward savagery and terrorism and violence and uh, everything that, that the revolution stands for. So 2 Chronicles 19 verse 2 said, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. And so we must say that what's happening in America right now is absolutely catastrophic. And it's the result of let's face it, uh, a strategic focus of the enemy, the enemy has been using the tactics of confuse, divide and conquer, corrupt and conquer. And as the Frankfurt School of Cultural Marxism, or the Critical Race Theory of, of Cultural Marxism has advocated to destroy all ties to blood, soil, mother, father, race and religion, they determined that the best way to destroy Western civilization is to destroy Christianity, which is its foundation through state indoctrination, secular humanist indoctrination, by promoting sexual deviancy, by promoting foul language, pornography and perversion. These are vital tools to invert every practice and tradition of Christianity, which they see as the backbone of of Western civilization. And so the cultural Marxists, uh, we're talking about uh, Antonio Gramsci and Herbert Marcuse, these folks right back in 1920s and 30s in Frankfurt, they really looked and said, Lenin got lucky. We're not going to get the same correlation of forces that made possible the Bolshevik revolution in Russia, which led to the Soviet Union in 1917. We need to de-Christianize the West. We must get the West to no longer think of any of the problems in the light of the Bible. We need to get them to think not just in a secular and non-Christian way, but in an anti-Christian way. We must Marxize the inner man. And to do this, we need to infiltrate the five carrying culture culture-transforming institutions of the West education entertainment news media religious institutions and political institutions and so they have been using such as uh, herbert mccuse described use foul language and perversion and blasphemy including on the stage and in arts and in entertainment like verbal grenades to undermine christian civilization and their goals have been to break up families to adulterate marriage to encourage primitivism To encourage animalistic urges of human depravity. And just as the Enlightenment philosophers like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Voltaire prepared the way for the French Revolution by attacking Christian civilization, promoting the myth of the noble savage, so we are seeing in our time, in recent generations, jazz, rock, hip-hop, rave, death metal, as musical expressions of the war against Christian civilization, and the communist agenda has been to bring division between rich and poor, between male and female, between young and old, between black and white, between employee and employee, promote an anti-white, anti-Western, anti-male culture war of racial politics, breaking down every relationship essential for the maintenance of Christian civilization, distorting the arts into celebrating ugliness, cruelty, and rebellion, and hijacking schools, universities and the entertainment industry all to advance the destructive agenda where civilization itself is at risk. And we need to recognize that what's been at play here is corrupt and conquer, confuse, divide and conquer. Freedom has been under fire. And it's for centuries it's been recognized that freedom of worship, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, these are absolutely essential for freedom. Freedom of opinion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of movement, free enterprise. All of these freedoms are essential for freedom. And it's a testament to insidious success of cultural Marxism of the Frankfurt School that all of these essential foundations for Western civilization are under relentless attack today. And any attempt to expose the inevitable consequences of these destructive tendencies are shouted down, censored, deplatformed, deleted from all internet platforms. As the scripture says, their throat is an open tomb where their tongues have practiced deceit. The poison of snakes is under the lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's in Romans 3. And we need to recognize how revolutions work. George Orwell explained how it works in Animal Farm in 1984. And the writings of Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago. And Otto Scott's Robespierre Inside the French Revolution. All of these... Go a long way to helping us understand the tactics of guilt manipulation, indoctrination, gaslighting, Stockholm Syndrome, intimidating, bullying, and manipulating people to destroy what centuries of Christian sacrifice have so painstakingly built up. So there's no doubt that we are seeing in America right now a revolution. This is hijacking a country and it's come after decades, generations actually, of subversion and. Now we see the results of psychological warfare, disinformation campaigns, hysteria, intimidation, rigged elections. And then to put the final nail in the coffin, to break the will of the people who were resisting this stolen election, was to trick some into walking into a trap where they could score an own goal and discredit their own movement by allowing a a false flag operation with agent provocateurs, to discredit the movement with some acts of vandalism in a completely pointless, meaningless trespassing uh, in the national capital. But but the timing of it <laughs> at the very moment that the senatorial legal challenge was about to be given to the election results, and then how that seemed to have just deflated and destroyed the will to resist from all the others who had been supporting exposing the steal and not accepting this fraud and election results. It's just shows you how these Marxists work. They use lies, deception, and they will use, uh, of course, deception operations and false flag events and agent provocateurs, and how they don't mind how much they lie and steal and cheat and twist things, but we need to understand how that works so that we won't give in to the guilt manipulation and pressure, so that we'll be able to resist the revolution. It's absolutely vital that we recognise what's happened because many people are just bewildered. How did that happen? You know, we were we were exposing. How does a fraudulent election and a fake candidate uh, on the basis of a whole lot of fake votes? How does a criminal enterprise get awarded the prize of the most powerful nation on earth today? After there was such obvious fraud and there were tens of millions of people mobilizing all over america against the stop the steal and then suddenly just the uh, what looks like random incidents of a few uh, ill-disciplined members of the group managed to change all thing. now this there's nothing random about this this is completely coordinated this is psychological warfare fine-tuned to an art and it is unfortunately gullibility and ignorance on the part of many of the people on the streets who were supporting the Trump campaign and and opposing the steel, standing for the Stop the Steel campaign, who walked into a trap and then didn't seem to recognize what had just happened and the timing of what had happened to stop the best legal challenge opportunity in the Senate on the floor and the interruption of it. You can just see this was brilliantly coordinated uh, from the left's perspective. And unfortunately, a whole lot of uh, people who should have known better walked into the trap. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you, Peter. Yes, it's it's astonishing how they pulled this off. It really is. And um, I'm getting to the situation now where when it comes to Donald Trump and, you know, looking back at the David Goldberg final words um, speech and the way that he said that Donald Trump was just put in there and he agreed to do the role, he was a celebrity anyway, that sort of thing. Uh, he said that he was going to march on the Capitol with his people, I'll lead you there. And then he disappeared back to the White House. And all that it's resulted in is giving the likes of Hillary Clinton now to actually come out and say that all Trump supporters, I believe she said, must be treated as domestic terrorists and they need to be under surveillance. I've heard other people come out and say the children of Trump supporters need to be um, re- sent to re-education camps, for children. Um, the children. What It's... You know, it's difficult. There are so many angles to it. Maybe Trump was genuine. Maybe, you know, his ideas that he put forward, that he campaigned on for 2016, maybe he was going to put them in. And he was just, you know, being stopped every turn by these Obama judges and what have you. That's very possible. But this scenario is also possible. That he was there as a rallying cry to all these nationalists so these people could be identified and then disposed of. Um, because that's what it's increasingly looking like. You know, all this uh, whiteness is the problem and these sorts of things. So say what these people say, so it brings them out the shadows, and then uh, we'll demonise them and call them domestic terrorists. And I think you summed it up perfectly when you said about the double standard that's applied to people who did far more damage, mayhem, murder, rape, looting, theft, uh, in the BLM riots... And these people, they were said, we don't want to prosecute these people. Uh, but the people mm. who marched on the Capitol building, I think a couple of windows were broken. Um, they're now running around about all these police officers. There was this police officer shot, and there's this big oh, memorial to this police officer who was shot, and blah, blah, blah. Well, how many police officers were killed in the BLM riots? There were loads killed. And we weren't allowed to talk about that. that. That was not a problem because it was a bigger issue. You know, if these people die, well, it's for Black Lives Matter and that's, that's supposed to be acceptable. So the whole thing is a complete fraud. And I think that, for me, it proves that there's no political solution to our problems. And I pray every day. And the last part of my prayer is to pray for Jesus Christ to come back soon because we as a race are being destroyed. And I say that every day and it's mm. becoming more and more accurate as time goes on. And I only hope that we are deep in the Book of Revelation because if we're not, and that's gonna come up um many years in the future, I don't think that many of us are gonna be around for then, or we're gonna have descendants around for then. I think that this is the end game the enemy have, have drummed up. What we also see is what happens in america tends to be adopted to all the other uh, formerly white countries around the world so you've really got to keep your eye on america folks because the sort of things that they're going to do to our american brothers and sisters are probably going to be coming to any other white countries around the world peter we've got a couple of minutes your comments please
1: Yes, uh, we've got to watch out very much for this campaign to uh, disillusion uh, people. So by raising expectations so high and then dashing them to pieces, the the disillusionment factor, the discouragement factor is huge. And uh, uh, it was Cicero who said in 42 BC, so over 2,000 years ago, Cicero warned us, a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known, and he carries his banners openly, but the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely, and his sly whispers rustling through all alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself, for the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their garments, and he appeals to the baseness that lies deep within men's souls." he rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to be feared than a traitor. And that's what Cicero said in 42 BC. And this is what we're facing. We're facing treason. What's gone on in America is a coup. But the coup was done by the people rigging the election. And, of course, the mass media, and many of them seem to be beholden to a Red China, in particular Communist Party of China. Uh, this is a trilateral commission, council of foreign relations, globalist, New World Order, Illuminati type of thing. We can see there are globalists with an anti-Christian agenda who have plainly united in discouraging the people of the United States of America and tricking them and betraying them into such a point that what we see now is not just a fake president and a fake election and a fake uh, event, but we're seeing a preparation, as you said, for some kind of serious persecution, some inquisition against people who dared to support an alternative or challenge the new world order. So we need to resist. We need to know how the Marxists work, strongly recommend people to to. Um, uh, read up about it, to get it back into your Bibles, uh, to be strong in resistance. Revelation 13 speaks about how these people work and the pandemic, um, pandemic, scandemic, uh, lockdown, uh, masquerade. This is just some of the tactics used and the vaccinations are also part of the, the campaign. We need to understand these issues and know how to resist. We need to be very careful who we trust as well because plainly there were people that Trump trusted and that Trump supporters trusted who were traitors working from the other side. And I think that was even said, Donald Trump even said he couldn't believe he was betrayed by Vice President Pence in this way. And uh, I think there's, there's a lot more betrayals going on all, all over the place than that. Uh, but uh, what we've just seen is the subversion and hijacking of a great country and a lot of treason taking place. This is, this is a revolution, every bit like the Bolshevik revolution. And we're going to see some pretty ugly things coming in the coming months. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. And before we go, can you please let the audience know your website and how they can contact you?
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, My email is peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za. And our website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa, short for South Africa, so frontlinemissionsa.org. And... uh, I've got things up there on psychological warfare and how to resist the revolution. Strongly recommend people uh, who um, are concerned. We've got to know our Bibles. We've got to fear God. We've got to be strong. We need to be praying. We need to be resisting. And we need to be speaking up against these evils because right now there's a lot of cowardice and a lot of compromise out there. We need some serious backbone. So thank you so much, Andrew. God bless you. May God keep each one of us strong during these days. We're hitting in some pretty difficult days.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. May God bless you and all of you listening as well. You have been listening to the real story of how countries are subverted and hijacked. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Until then, folks, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day and bye for now.